Hello and welcome to Talk of the Town. This is a show in collaboration with the City of Winter Park, the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, and Rollins College, and each show provides useful information and a transparent look into the happenings here in Winter Park. I'm Sam Stark, Vice President here at Rollins College, and I'm pleased to be here today with Betsy Gardner-Eckbert, CEO of the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, and today with Vice Mayor Sheila DeCiccio of our great city of Winter Park. Betsy and Sheila, thank you both for being here, and great to be back on Talk of the Town. And great to be back on campus. Good to be back on campus. Great to have you in that seat today, Sheila, and I know we have a lot to talk about. A lot going on all over the place, right? All over town. Uh, I'm going to start today with with the, sort of some breaking news for Rollins, which is that we have once again been ranked the number one regional university in the South in the 2024 rankings of best colleges, which is released annually by U.S. News and World Report. Um, 25 years. We've always been in the top two, mostly, I think, 23 out of 25 in the number one seat. So we're delighted uh, to be number one amongst the th- 136 colleges and universities in that category uh, here in the southern region. So way to go, Rollins. And a lot of our success, frankly, we, we, we more and more give credit to our town and gown relationship, to our business environment, to the opportunity for our students to you know, live, learn, and, and work and play in the best place there is in Florida and beyond. We just had President Cornwell in to speak at the chamber on Friday, and I want to congratulate you all also for the largest freshman class and the most selective freshman class. Also understand it's the best supported freshman class with respect to financial aid. Um, And so we appreciate the way you continually to notch up the quality. Uh, Certainly we get a bunch of interns at the chamber that we're consistently dazzled by with respect to the work ethic and the contextual awareness and the sense of kind of getting it. Um, And, you know, Rollins has a lot to contribute, obviously, to our business community in ways that are obvious and less obvious. We love the workforce development that you all are doing, particularly in readying a new workforce of teachers we're struggling on that in the state of Florida and and just the ways that that you supply a steady stream of customers to our businesses in the central business district is appreciated so congratulations thank you we like that Sheila you've been here you know in in Winter Park a while you've seen an evolution of Rollins certainly probably more than both of us I have been here since 1981 okay so my children were born and raised and we love the city before I go on congratulations it is thank you it is fabulous and the college is such a wonderful partner with the city of Winter Park, so we appreciate all you do. Good stuff. It takes two to tango, as they say, right? And in this case, three. And so we have a heck of a tango going on uh, here with our business community, our education community, and our and our city government. So on to some of the great things going on in our community. Uh, Betsy, we're going to start with you because you, too, have had quite a year uh, most recently, uh, the chamber was recognized and honored uh, by the ACCE, which you can tell us a little bit more about that organization, but as one of the top three chambers in the country, 
no small feat. And uh, congratulations to you and your team. Can you share a little bit more about that recognition? Yeah, well, we stand on the shoulders of giant Sam Stark, who used to be CEO of the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce. But I love how poetic it is that we've gotten this piece of recognition in our centennial year, because we do have so many people, you know, I was just with Jim Barnes this morning, he's been contributing positively to the life of the chamber for over 50 years, people who've been engaged with caring about the success and the integrity of our business community for an awfully long time so to bring a piece of recognition back to the people that have done so much to position us favorably and strongly means an awful lot to my team my board and me you know in our industry underwent in 2016 an initiative called the horizons initiative where it looked very closely at what chambers of commerce needed to do to be future ready because they're not unlike Kiwanis clubs and Rotary clubs and places of worship and women's clubs. You know, we just got news that the U Club in downtown Orlando was closing. Yep. I mean, that was a, an icon, right? Um, think of how many deals were done in the walls of the U Club. And mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm, I'm sad, but I'm not surprised because these membership organizations are under pressure. And so our trade association, the Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives, took a very long look at the nine factors that were going to be shaping the way chambers acted in the future, what we focused on in order to be ready for the future. And then, you know, they now give out this prize every year based on chambers that are actually doing a a good job of moving toward those nine pieces of readiness. And they really deal with the societal factors that are at work picking away at the fabric of these institutional frameworks that we've enjoyed for so many, in some cases, hundreds of years. But they're really based on things like the political and social fragmentation that we're dealing with. And um, issues of scarcity and abundance. I think it's folly to accept that we're just going to have as much electric power as we've always had going on into the future, that it's going to be the same type of electric power source that we've always had. So it's really looking at these kinds of influences that are affecting us, um, political uh, uh, population shifts with respect to demographics around ethnicity and age and the different types of ways people are uh, feeling that they're part of a community. Usually now people will feel a part of a community based on affinity more than geography. And so we have to accept that those factors are at work and we've got to come in and create models that are relevant given those factors. And that's what I was really proud of our team Uh, for clearly articulating the value demonstration um, that we're doing those things because Winter Park deserves a relevant and future-ready chamber, and it was was great to be recognized as one. That's impressive. Well, congratulations. A lot of work uh, did go into that, so uh, kudos to you and your team. We have a lot to talk about today, things that, you know, really impact and affect all residents, um, all of Winter Park, but but even so many in Central Florida. Uh, one of them is parking, right? Like, gosh, haven't we talked about parking enough? But um, maybe not. Uh, the Chamber's hosting a, uh, an event um, in a couple of days called the Winter Park Outlook. And um, parking, Betsy, is, is a topic. Sheila, I know you have um, a lot of uh, experience sort of hearing a lot about parking in so many ways. We do every development. Every development, us. right? So, Betsy, share a little bit about the premise of the book called Paved Paradise and, um, and who you're bringing in to speak to the community and sort of what the, uh, I don't know if it's an ask uh, or if it's more of a tell, but maybe a little bit of a both. 
So I'm going to go back a little bit. I'm going to go back to 2022. We launched our Winter Park Prosperity Scorecard. We started looking at what success in Winter Park looks like. And we hope that it looks like something different than it used to look like. Winter Park has been a wonderful place for some people to, to really thrive and prosper. But we're trying to make sure that anyone who wants to prosper here can have an equitable opportunity to do that. And so we think that as we move into the future, um, you know, one of the things I think is so impressive and not surprising about Rollins' success is how strategic you all have been in using land and how you've strategically used land to create a stronger, stickier value proposition for new students coming here. We want to make sure that we're using land in a strategic way that enables Winter Park to stay competitive going into the future. You know, my family got here in 1980, not too far off from Sheila, arriving here, and and there was nothing like Winter Park right. in the region at all. And now there are a lot of things that are not only like Winter Park, but they're threatening to be more like Winter Park than Winter Park. Mm -hmm. And so we're concerned about future readiness. I think that's one of the things that, that a chamber should be doing is making sure that its community has the resources that it needs to be competitive. And we're focused on things like, are we doing as much as DeLand is doing to add value to the university that's within our city limits? Um, because we certainly don't want to leak students to Stetson because we didn't have a cool enough retail restaurant mix in our main um, central business district. So those are things that keep us up at night. So we built the Prosperity Scorecard to get data to be the thing that leads change for us. And one of the things that's emerged from the first anniversary of the scorecard, which we'll be talking about more in October, is that the crisis of affordable housing in Winter Park is not getting better. It's getting mm -hmm. worse. Um, and what, what that means is that we are going to miss out on innovators moving here. We're going to miss out on having land uses for another generation. We hear over and over and over again, there's no way my kids can afford to live here. But more importantly, we're concerned about who can come in and stir up our community in a way that invigorates it and keeps it fresh and relevant going forward. So to that end, we started looking at what's the first gateway to doing that? What's the, what's the problem, right? What are some of the things that are in the way? And we were fortunate in that Henry Grabar, who published his book, Paved Paradise, published it in May. And he was on a big media push. We heard him on NPR. And we reached out to him and said, hey, we've got a big problem in Winter Park with not only parking, but how we use land, how we weaponize parking to make sure that nothing gets built here, right? And so can you come talk about how that works in other communities and how that works in our community and share your expertise. Well, in the intervening months, Henry has been named a fellow at Harvard and he's doing really interesting work in land planning there. And I, he's going to share the experience that's not too different from other communities where people want to make sure that everything's kept special just for them. And we use parking to make sure that developers don't even want to engage in the due diligence that comes with applying for a variance because they know they're probably not going to get a variance on the basis of parking. So he's going to share with us how to approach that, what that problem is, what are some of the unintended consequences of prioritizing car storage over housing for people, which is what we're doing, mm -hmm. essentially. You know, our parking code was written in 1973. Mm -hmm. 
and hasn't really been substantively changed since then. And I don't think any of us who are running successful businesses are doing the things that we were doing in 1973 and banking on that to be a winning strategy for us. So we think it's time for a fresh look at that. And we think that there's great opportunities. You know, it's, it's inherent in the developer's best interest to create enough parking for his or her project. So we believe the market you know, might be the thing that decides how much we have. Um, he's going to share some of that expertise with us and also let us know what some of the downstream consequences are, like building parking incentivizes a car-based economy. And in every single election, we hear over and over and over again from people that traffic is their number one gripe about living and working in Winter Park. So how do we, how do we take a knife to that problem? And then more importantly, how are we um, thinking long term when we build our scorecard one of the stakeholders we're trying to audit for in, in our prosperity models is our natural environment you know um, asphalt kicks off 20 percent of the greenhouse gas emissions that we know are creating downstream consequences for our climate and so are we doing everything we can through the lens of sustainability to be you know ethically auditing for that stakeholder. And we think that's really important. We also think it's it's aligned with what our existing commission cares about. And we want to be partnered in ways that make sense for all of yep. us. So Sheila, that's a lot, uh, all really good and important stuff. And um, your world is filled with future readiness and variances and parking requests. So I know you were sharing a little bit before that you've read a lot of the book and mm -hmm. this is something you probably could write your own book on. Uh, so what's, what's the reaction? Like, what's your mm -hmm. thought on, on, on some of this for the city? Well, first, let me just congratulate uh, Betsy on the, the award. It's wonderful. And thank you. Congratulations. Secondly, I did read um, most of the book. And what I gathered from it is that parking is always an issue for residents, cities, developers, everybody. Um, parking dictates how where we live, how we live, how we build. And even to extremes, like there's an example in the book of a woman who lives in Boston who won't go to grocery shop because she's afraid of losing the spot in front of her house, so mm. she's wasting away. That's an extreme. So you come down to what are the solutions? What can we do? And let me just... Betsy is absolutely right. The commission just wants to stop with parking garages. We want to stop with all, we, we're looking for alternatives to get people into the city because you've got the businesses on Park Avenue. They can't survive with just the residents. They need people from all around coming in. One of the um, difficult, and what did they say, we don't have enough parking. You've got to do something, city. And you talk to people who, if you live in Winter Park, sometimes you kind of know where you can go to find a place to park. But if you don't live in Winter Park, it's very difficult mm -hmm. driving around. And then neighbors, if when you go into residential neighborhoods, they get upset if there's cars lined up and down in front of their homes. So we get a lot of complaints on those, and the police are called, et cetera, et cetera. But um, for one thing we would love to do is to be able to close Park Avenue. The retailers are up in arms. They said, no, we need those parking places because wouldn't, wouldn't it be wonderful to have it just a walking up and down? You could have the restaurants, you could put tables out. I mean, it would be wonderful. And they do that. You go to so many different parts of the country where they're doing that. We would love to do that. Right now, the retailers are just furious. So one of my suggestions, how about if we just try it one weekend hmm. a month or one day a month, you know, start out slow and do that it's it's a work in progress yeah. and um it's it's very difficult you've got people coming in from not everybody lives on campus 
So I know parking right. until you built your new garage was a real problem yeah, on campus. Sure. And it was a problem for the city because they were students were taking parking spots from um, shoppers and people who wanted to go to restaurants. So where do you put them? Do you provide shuttle buses in and out? And people don't, at least in Winter Park, they don't really like taking buses because they like when they're done, they're done. They want to leave. When they want to come, they want to come. They don't want to wait. So it's 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 a difficult, difficult issue. And um, we are constantly confronted with it. Now, I know one thing, we did revamp our comprehensive plan in 2000, I believe, um, it would be seven years ago. So um, 2017, 18, I know I worked on it when I was on planning and zoning, and we made it so we don't require as much parking for a developer, but there's still certain requirements that we have. And um, it's a tough issue. We're going to be looking at revamping the comp plan right now. It's, it's up before us. And so we would love people to come in and speak on it, you know, parking requirements. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stakeholders, mm-hmm. right? And and to your point, uh, Sheila, um, there's the retailers, uh, there's the merchants, the business owners, which aren't necessarily the property owners. There's winter parkers who want to come and go right to their little spot close to their little place. Mm-hmm. There's Central Floridian. Anyway, the, the list goes on and on. So, I mean, Betsy, does does is, is there a solution for all or is there just a better option for most that uh, maybe is contemplated and that you can foresee coming out of this? So I think that, that parking is a kaleidoscopic issue, right? And I think we're focused on a, on a narrow path there, yeah. which is around the minimums that don't make sense, mm-hmm. right? So in our code, which is overly prescriptive, it says that a furniture store must have X number of spaces per 100 feet. A barber shop must have this many spaces per hundred square feet. Uh, you know, a pet grooming store must have this many. Well, does anyone really know what's happening? Those land uses that's driving a difference between the amount of cars that are coming and going from those places. I would submit the answer is no, right? So overly prescriptive land use code is keeping us from building land uses that make Winter Park attractive to younger people, innovators. And certainly, and we know this is the case, relaxing this would ease up on the affordable housing crisis, which we know is chipping away as a major and looming ongoing problem in Winter Park. We also know that we don't have enough commercial real estate space. So, you know, the first thing is that we've got to figure out, we have, right now, it was, last year it was 2.3% available commercial space. That's essentially full, right? It leapt a little bit because we're seeing pressure in um, the commercial real estate sector with respect to people not going back to the office. So that that availability climbed a little bit, but it's still not to the degree that we can offer a suite of uses to any new business that wants to come here because they've got to have flexibility to grow. So the reality is that we've got enormous pressure on real estate and we've got these mandates that, that are A, out of date and B, haven't really been thought through except for their capacity to keep people out, right? And so this idea that we're just going to cling to 50-year-old code that was designed to make sure that Winter Park stays just like it is, that don't make sense, we think it's time to unwind that kind of stuff so that we can let the market dictate what would be the right way forward on these projects. I've got a commercial banker that hasn't written a commercial real estate loan in Winter Park in three years. 
So in time, that's going to create a burden on the residents to pay the delta between the taxes we would have gotten from commercial properties and the ones that we didn't. And so the reality is that we've got to start thinking about how we're going to stimulate some growth. And I grew up here, so I don't want to see huge amounts of growth. I don't think that's appropriate for Winter Park. But some growth to A, keep the city mix fresh, and B, in order to meet the demands that we've got for the future with respect to taxable values. And, and right now, our code is overly prescriptive, and this is one of those cheap and easy ways to start picking away at that. I don't think we're looking at a soup-to-nuts revision of, okay, we're going to propose this lot here and this garage here. Mm-hmm. We're looking at a relaxing of the first and easiest thing to do, yeah. right, which is minimums that don't make sense. And I think that's what Henry's going to show us example after example after example. You know, the city of Orlando just did away with parking minimums, and They've fallen uh, behind a number of, of progressive cities that have decided to do this to let the market dictate. And, you know, they can still approve or disapprove of projects. But this takes that step out that's keeping the capital markets from playing in our development space here and giving us opportunities. So we're really proud that the City of Orlando Parking Division has a whole table at our event oh, on nice. Friday. Sheila, nothing's easier quick, right? Um, exactly. And so uh, with the assumption that our codes are old and outdated, et cetera, et cetera, how, how does it fundamentally work within the city? You mentioned that uh, mm-hmm. we, we have a comprehensive plan review process under underway right Going now. Going on right now. So like what, what, what happens from your lens? To be clear, this comes outside the comp plan revision. Parking is just code. It's not part of the comp Got plan. It. But we do discuss it, and it comes up during the comp plan so that we can make revisions. But... Um, Honestly, I would push back on some of what you said because you take the example of where the Trader Joe's is. There's not enough parking there. People complain bitterly about that. There's not enough parking in that entire area. Um, So what do you do? I mean, we let them build there. We let all of those things go in there. And people complain and businesses complain nonstop. Residents complain nonstop. Park Avenue, nonstop complaining about the lack of parking absolute nonstop. The city doesn't want to build a garage for the reasons, you know, some of the reasons Betsy has said. So it's the other problem in Winter Park is there's no land left. There's basically no land. Where are you going to put something? Where are you going to put buildings? Affordable housing, it's a problem for Winter Park. Absolutely no question about it. We're looking to annex perhaps I-4 and Fairbanks in that area, and that will be a great location for affordable housing. But where else are you going to put it? Like, for example, a developer has bought from Miami where the Seventh-day Advent churches. Do they want to put affordable housing? No. <laughs> they want to put the most expensive and where they can earn the most money. Right. So it's there's just not that much land that's becoming available. So in Winter Park... Is frustrating, and it is very frustrating for me because I would love to see. I mean, the biggest cry is from the west side. Look at what you're doing. You're putting McMansions up on these little lots. It's mm-hmm. not affordable. But when you have, and I think of this one wonderful um, Lorelei who used to come to every commission meeting. She was wonderful, and her house was right next door to where David Weeks built all those houses on Canton. She would not sell it. She wanted it for her children and as soon as she died they sold it the next day Mm. to david weeks and he built another home there so i mean you're not you're not keeping any more affordable housing in the city and winter park um for or fortunately uh the reason our home values are so high is because we've maintained the charm the small scale 
of the city, 80% of our revenue comes from residential. And I would love to see more commercial development. I've advocated for different places for it, but uh, there's just not a tolerance for it right now. And that's, so you've got, you know, you've got the residents and commercial. It's, it's very difficult to balance. A tough issue, uh, one that, um, you know, obviously needs a little bit um, more work and more discussion. And thanks to the chamber and Betsy um, for bringing uh, Henry Graybar and uh, people can take a look at Paved Paradise and keep an eye on the chamber's website because I'm sure mm -hmm. afterwards there'll be some sort of white paper report summary maybe well there's in a some lot way. of stats being pushed through our social media right now yeah. so there's a lot of the the little bite-sized chunks from henry's Perfect. book we're pushing through on our instagram facebook and linkedin so there's a digest there as well awesome uh, good luck right like it's just it's not easy and um just applaud uh, both of you for, for having the tolerance and the willingness to to try to um try to make it better that's what we're all that's what we're all here for um, speaking of that, there's a couple city projects that we always seem to talk about. Uh, Sheila, maybe you can give us the latest and greatest on former library site. You know, the, uh, everyone has already assumed that Rollins owns that and will own it, which <laughs> that is, is not the case. <laughs> the $50 million question. What are we going to do with that site? Right. Uh, right now, uh, there is an RFP out, which is due November 30th for ideas, uh, for different, developers or whoever to come back and, and say what they'd like to do at the site. And we're going to take a look at it. The city does not want to sell it at this time. Um, they're looking for a long-term okay. lease, whether that's 10, 20, 30 years. Um, so, so that's what's going to happen. We're not sure. Um, right now, I know that there's a lot of people that have expressed interest, everything from a from a museum for space to 501Cs in that space to some people just want to tear it down and leave it green. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, it's it. It's been going on for many, many years, and we, I don't, we're not any closer just yet. But hopefully by November 30th when they come in, we'll see what the suggestions All are. All right. We'll keep our eyes on that. Betsy, do you, get, do you ever get calls from, from prospective developers or, or project owners who want to submit an RFP? Yeah, and I think this issue has got kind of an urban legend fact, fact you know, for sort of sure. facet to it where, you know, one week – that they've heard in the commission that we want to have a space museum. And the next week, oh, no, we want to host 501c3s there. And then the next week, someone will say, oh, we want it to be a co-working space. Right. And so, you know, we get the calls the minute that urban legend goes out there. And I think, you know, it's um, – and then, of course, there's people that, that you know, to your point, Jilla, we don't have land. Okay, bulldoze the library, and voila, you have land. So now <laughs> you can build something really interesting there, right? And so that uh, whole piece around, you know, what do we do it? Do we think – about it holistically do we put a parking garage in the middle of that and build all around it where you've got like restaurant retail then you might have office and then you might have residential on top of that city's landlord or city sells it and then we don't have to raise millage rates for a very long time if that happens right and so so thinking through those kinds of options um but yeah it is definitely squirrel yeah. squirrel squirrel <laughs> about the library right um, not quite as legendary, uh, but the, the Winter Park Playhouse, an important uh, community arts and culture asset. Um, what's, what's, can you share with us what's happening there, Sheila? Well, I can, but I just want to say we have the lowest operating um, millage rate in Orange County. It's been unchanged for 16 years. It hasn't been raised, so and I don't good. think it's going to be raised in the in, well, I'm there anyway, in the near future. <laughs> and we just voted not to raise it again. But with respect to the Playhouse, um, <sighs> 
we they have submitted and the city has submitted grant funding from TDT to acquire the current location that they're in. We're now we're just awaiting the grant. We're going through the grant process and, and just seeing what's going to happen. So hopefully they'll be able to purchase where they are and do some renovation to it. Got it. If not, the city may step forward to try and help them with other spots. But right now, that's that's what the goal yep. is. Um, Orange Avenue and, and the latest... Um, <laughs> you know, hot topic that hopefully it's like it's Groundhog won't Day. have a lifelong, <laughs> uh, you know, as long as the library and then the playhouse, but is the Bank of the Ozarks on Orange Avenue. What's what's the latest there that you can uh, share? There is a contract on the property uh, from a private entity, and um, I'm not sure what they plan to do with it, what they hope to do with it, but right now it's under contract. Yeah. So we'll see. Not by the city. Not by the city. No, yeah. the city is not purchasing, is not borrowing on it. It's under contract by a private yeah. entity. But the city talked last week about putting in a backup offer. Is that correct? That's correct. And um, went nowhere. <laughs> but what was the price be for the backup offer? It's interesting because the price was $6 million plus 290-something. They want to build on Ravidage, the Bank of the Ozarks. So mm-hmm. to Oh, in credit. So they get credit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, what was the city prepared to pay? $6 million plus the waiving the fees for the impact so it was almost 6.3 um a little bit over that and then the they got their and they have had an offer for 6.3 um and i think they kind of played the city a little bit and uh, they accepted the 6.3 million offer all right well we'll see where that one goes and then of course just to the sort of southwest is the the park that's um still being built seven oaks yeah that's gonna be exciting and nice one thing that i did move for under the budget is a construction manager because the city has so many projects and to get something done and this is one of the most difficult i'm just going to be very honest for me going into government versus a private sector is it takes a very long time to get something done so with a construction manager because you have to work through a lot of different you have to coordinate departments public works for the streets and the sidewalks and parks and 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 stormwater and all of these different departments so we're going to get a construction manager who can just literally get things done i mean the the turn lane on fairbanks and denning we've got the land it's ready to go it's not there yet it's been a couple of years so you know to get somebody who can just make these projects happen that would be nice yes (laughs) yes Uh, i agree budget is almost finished for the next year fiscal year yes one more vote yeah one more vote all right that's exciting um i think one that we love here in our community is the um um, Autumn Art Festival, a great uh, Winter Park Chamber of Commerce event, and um, that's right around the corner. Can you talk a little bit about that? Four words, Fleetwood Mac Tribute Band. There we go. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, I'm very excited. So we have the best music lineup we've ever had. We bring the community together. As uh, you know, for for us, we always ask the question, "What aligns with our mission?" Right? And there's a lot of chambers that sort of have the Frog Days Festival or the whatever festival. And you know, when I came on, I, I asked everybody, "Why do we do this?" Well, the terrifying answer in a couple instances is, well, "We don't know." Right? <laughs> we know exactly why we host the Autumn Art Festival. Number one, it's our job to bring our community around val- a value that we all share, which is a value in arts and culture, and to celebrate 
all the wonderful things that we have going for us with respect to arts and culture. So we're convening 180 Florida-based artists, the highest number we've ever had and the most selective group we've ever had uh, for the two-day weekend, weekend, October 7th and 8th. We'll have a VIP tent, a beer garden, and then fantastic entertainment. We'll have the Buzzcats, Sean Holcomb, a perennial favorite, and we're going to be on the new stage. We were the first act to be on the stage last year when it opened but now it's all been beautifully landscaped and it's just got a really great sense of identity and place there in central park we think it's going to be a fantastic experience this is the time of year where i spend an everyday moment on the national hurricane center's website just tracking those little x's out in the ocean (laughs) and so we just hope that we're going to have the privileged experience of doing that but we have it's the 50th anniversary this year so we had a special poster commissioned which we unveiled a couple weeks ago ago. Um, Laura Cosgrove, he's a huge community art advocate, is the chair of our committee this year. And they've been working hard all year to execute on this uh, festival that we're just so proud to offer our community and our visitors. Very fun. It's a great event. And so make plans to uh, get out to Central Park and uh, and to check it out. Um, we have so much going on. I don't, I don't even know where to end. Um, Betsy, any sort of final words or uh, advice for our uh, our loyal listeners here? Yes. So Best of Winter Park nominations closed on Friday, and the voting opens a week from today. So if you have a favorite in Winter Park, we would love for you to log on and vote yep. for them. Follow our Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or come to our website to get information on how to vote for your favorites. Um, every year we announce these at the Best of Winter Park event. I've got, um, it's it's kind of under wraps right now, but we're going to have the biggest best event of its kind on November right. 2nd at Best of Winter Park. It's going to be a can't-miss experience. Um, I'm not at liberty to share what the cool thing is yet, which is annoying, but we're still waiting on contracts to get finalized. But it's going to be the best event that we've ever had, and we hope that you and your business will um, position yourselves favorably to win the Best of Winter Park and the bragging rights that go with that. Impressive. Well, thanks. Uh, Looking forward to all of that. Thanks for what you do. And again, a a true congratulations to you and your team for the uh, much-deserved and earned uh, national recognition being chamber uh, of the year. Uh, Sheila, we'll let you kind of have the last word. Anything else well, you can you. share? I just want to share that our general fund reserves are 19.1 million, which is 27.6% of the, our goal of 30%. And we're providing for our current level of service citywide, which is important because we close streets and we clean up after all of these festivals yeah. and we do. And, um, it, it takes a uh, it takes a large team to do it, and they're very good at that. So, we have that. We also are planning for major stormwater and infrastructure improvements, which need to be done. A transportation master plan, which I'm really looking forward to, Henry uh, Graybar and what he has to say because it's 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 a big part. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to say. We do a fabulous job of preparing for hurricanes. We have a whole list of checklists we go through. But the other thing I want people to know is it's not just hurricanes we prepare for. It could be a major fire. And I'll give you an example. Um, Of course, we all know what happened in Maui. But there was a lightning storm last week, and it hit a house, and it caught on fire right away. Fire was there. We're prepared for anything and to to, to contain. So the city is... um, Always got all of our departments on whenever we think there's going to be any kind of storm, and we, we start preparing days before. 
And like Betsy, we track all of these hurricanes, and we have people who do that around the clock. So I want everybody to know the city's trying to get as resilient as they can. That's why we're continuing to underground and uh, do everything we can to protect all of the residents in Winter Park. See, Love Sheila it. has people that does her hurricane fa- tracking for her. <laughs> that's right. I'm more like a you nerd that's on there myself. No, but you are welcome to call anytime, seriously, because um, we have a whole... We just go to the NOAA did. site. It's just <laughs> nationalhurricanecenter.org, and we just live on there this time of year. Because yeah. we've, we've had one of our festivals canceled due to hurricane. It's not fun. Yeah. No. So we, we, have, we call it the Emergency Operations Center, and we have people that are always so we yeah. are happy to assist you any way we can Thank probably you. one of the best um, um alignments that the college and the city actually does have is our eocs mm-hmm. uh, we, we do the same and there's a certainly during some of the more unfortunate and catastrophic and serious storms there's an, an incredible amount of collaboration and support from feeding staff and mm-hmm. um on, on on both sides so it's a really the eocs are incredibly well run by the college and and uh, and the city um never uh, a lack of incredible information and hot topics um i'll just remind people to always keep an eye on rollins.edu and rollinsports.com to see the latest in um, arts and culture and our amazing student athletes who are competing at an incredibly high level uh, for Division II athletics. It's uh, maybe not something you're thinking about, but if you just are looking for something to do, get out and check out our soccer teams and uh, our lacrosse teams and our women's volleyball. And as we gear into the fall, to the winter sports too, it's some, some free family fun. Uh, say that 10 times fast, Betsy. Um, what a great show. Thank you uh, to both of you. Um, Vice Mayor Sheila DeCicio, uh, Chamber of Commerce CEO Betsy Gardner-Eckbert. We're glad that everybody tuned in for another edition of Talk of the Town. October 18th is our next show, and we uh, hope that you will tune in and continue to follow us on any of our three collective social media sites, and of course, download the podcast, Talk of the Town. Uh, With that, we thank Madison, our awesome student uh, marketing coordinator and board operator, and we wish you a great day in Winter Park. Thanks. Thank you.